I'm Don Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. And you're in the coronavirus transporter room. Ew. Do you know it's been a month, Carly? It's been, I, I count like March 13th as sort of like the beginning of all this. That's when uh, I first started realizing that, you know, things were going to change because my university where I teach, they decided to stop teaching in classrooms. My kids suddenly got two weeks off from school. A lot of things changed on March 13th. It was a Friday the 13th. And here we are. It's a month and a day later. And how's your life doing? I've I've had a rough couple of two. I've had a rough couple of weeks, but how are you doing? I'm just doing everything I can. It's been it's been difficult from one standpoint, just the I mean, it at times it's been a struggle. It, it's been a struggle. That's why I've been trying to get on the bike and out running a lot as much as I can, just trying, you know, just trying to maintain and just trying to cope with it all. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, I'm very thankful for the people. I'm very thankful for a lot of key people in my life right now. I'm very, th- I'm very thankful for support of, of my, of my family, of my family, even though they're spread out across the country and they're also dealing with a lot of things, this coronavirus, I have relatives that are affected by, by it. Oh, I've wow. been supported by my roommates. I've been supported by close friends. You know, there's your family and also there's the family you choose. And both of them have really done a yeoman's work for me. I've been through a roller coaster this, this month and I know you have as well. We've both attended zoom funerals since our last podcast. And, um, you know, I was really not, uh, Looking forward to it. Uh, a dear friend from a job I held 18 years ago, who I stayed in touch with over the years, she didn't die of coronavirus or COVID-19, but it's because of the shutdown and lockdown and social distancing that we couldn't gather in her name. So we, we had a graveside ceremony via Zoom with all the sounds and, and um, accompanying prayers that come with a Jewish funeral, the the sound of the metal shovel hitting the sand, the dirt hitting the casket, the sound of the casket being lowered, all those things, the prayers of the faithful. You know what? In contrast to those really very uh, sad images in my mind that I, I couldn't see, but I could hear, what I could see were 317 beautiful faces. And at a funeral, you generally don't look at other people's faces. You're sort of trying to keep the tears from welling up in your own eyes. And this was wonderful to be able to see the faces and the names of, of people on webcams all around the country who, who turned up just to pay respects to my friend and to hear the stories um, of her parents. She was 62 and her parents uh, bearing their first child in their elderly years. Just so sad, but they made us laugh and they made us feel good. Their son, this woman lost her husband last year, and her son now is an orphan. He's 22, and just a tower of strength. Unfortunately, my friend was one of seven I've, I've um, had to say goodbye to in the last couple of weeks. So it's it's been a hard time for me, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm hanging in there. And I've, like you said, you know, physical exercise and support of friends and family. I am so blessed. I have my children with me. I know so many other people in our position. And I say our position, I mean being trans 
who don't get to see their children, who don't have any contact with family, who are all alone in this time. And that's why we've been having our Zoom um, conferences on Outsports. Uh, every Friday night, we've been having one for the West Coast and one for the East Coast, where people can just, you know, break down that wall and not be all alone and talk about sports and talk about life and just, you know, have fun. And we've had some celebrities. We had uh, Thirsty Kirsty <laughs> from <laughs> Down Under. Last Friday, we had former NFL uh, Patriots player Ryan O'Callaghan. He joined us. So it's been really great to have, you know, famous names join in with the uh, the breakdown of, of just, you know, reaching out and connecting. I know what you're saying about um, my my thoughts as you were talking about the funeral went, you went to. I was thinking back to the to the funeral, to the Zoom funeral I was at a couple of weeks ago. Look, I mean, losing someone who was really, really close to me. And I'm so someone sorry. who I and someone who I'd spoken to a couple of days before they died. And oh. and but I will say one thing about them. It was an honor, it was an honor for me to be there and to see 200, like you said, those fa- those faces, even on Zoom, seeing that so many people cared. I mean, for me to be honored to say to say her mourners, Kadish. I'm still. I mean, I'm getting a little choked up thinking about that. Yeah. To be it, to be honored to speak at this service. Oh, because that's great. you gave eulogy. That's wonderful. because she asked me to. Oh, my, that's wonderful. My friend, my friend Edith Ehrenberg, committed suicide. In her note. To people really close to her, she requested that I speak at her funeral. If I if I would if I would be there and I was willing, she requested me to speak. And she said in the suicide note that she really looked up to me. Oh gosh. And I mean, we love, I mean, we had grown to love each other like sisters. And one thing I said in eulogizing her was that. We not only shared a friendship as women, we shared a sisterhood as girls. Mm. And being, and even, even her rabbi said, her rabbi like called me a couple of days later. She belonged to a congregation in no, in Northampton, Mass. Mm-hmm. And she called me a few days later and said, that was one of the most truest things I've ever heard because she told me the same thing she Aww. told me about you. And that Aww. just made the waterworks come all again. But Of course. But Dawn, I can tell you, I mean, I was thinking about you too. Oh, because okay. I know you've been, I know, because like you shared in our last podcast, how much you've gone through. And I know it's it's tough with all the things you do and all the writing you do and the teaching oh, and raising I've, kids. Yeah. I've got it easy compared to some people though. Oh, honestly. I mean, there's always someone who has it harder than you do, you know, true, but I'm, I'm, but, I'm here for you, Carly. And I'm very and glad I'm, that you shared. And I'm here for you. And that's one thing. One thing I've been doing to keep busy is also doing some, I started doing some work with Connecticut mutual aid. Oh, great. because there are many people out there that need help. Like I, like I said last week's podcast, it doesn't at this point. It doesn't matter what your politics are. It doesn't matter where you stand on the spectrum. It doesn't matter who you vote for, what you believe, what you believe, what deity you pray to, if you pray to one at all, or even if you don't. Right now, it's got to be about one helping our neighbors and two flattening the curve. And 
I'm just going to shout this out to President Trump right now. Don't be in a rush to reopen America. Let's be in a rush to flatten the curve. Let's help well, our people right now. Let's not be in a rush to, to reopen for business. That doesn't mean anything right now. The United States of America is number one in the world in number of cases and number of deaths. New York State right now, if New York State was a country, it'd be number two in the world in cases. One of my favorite. Let that sink in. One of my favorite journalists, Eugene Robinson, happens to be a black man, happens to be brilliant. He wrote the most amazing essay in the Washington Post. And it's basically the truth. President Trump can't reopen the country. Only we can do that. I'm not talking governors. I'm talking about everyday Americans. Because you and I are going to decide, are we going to mingle again? Are we going to join other people in society? Or are we going to stay in our homes? What are we going to do? President Trump can do whatever the fuck he thinks he can do. He can do whatever he wants. He can go in at the briefing room and have his little infomercial. And he can rant and rave and point fingers and try to shift the blame. But what really happens is, in America, we decide. We decide who sits in that White House. And we decide if we are going to sit in our house. And I want to join you in putting President Trump on notice. I'm sorry. You don't have total authority. What you have is what we give you. I'm really proud of Eugene for writing that essay. I see him all the time on MSNBC, and I don't know him personally, but he speaks in a voice that I can really relate to. And I hope that as we get closer to the end of April, that cooler heads prevail and that... Um, you know, we could really undo all the good we've done in the last couple of weeks by flattening the curve. So I hope that doesn't happen. What's well, your What's your thought on that? Well, I'm looking at Eugene's um, Eugene's essay right now, and these are fair questions, and and we and these are some fair questions to ask. He writes here: Would you feel safe on a crowded bus, commuter train, or subway car? What about in a carpool? How would you feel if someone in the back seat were to cough? If you work at retail, how would you interact with customers at arm's length wearing a mask and gloves? I've done some delivery driving, you know, delivering groceries to people who need it, medicines to people who need it. But we're also, right now, among Connecticut Mutual Aid, we're talking about things. There's a lot of mutual aid groups that are talking about, you know, being able to drive people that have certain special needs. Like, for example, a person that needs chemotherapy done, that needs right. their, their chemotherapy. The chemo, I mean, the chemo is not necessarily going to come to your house. You got to go no. to it. But here's right. the question. But that's where it cuts. Nobody who's a delivery, very few people who are delivery drivers are willing to volunteer for that because you don't know, especially. If, and also you'd be putting someone, especially in chemo, for example, who's already who could be immunocompromised at risk. Right. Like for myself. The I, risk goes both I told, sides. Risk goes yeah, both I ways. told some people with, with some of the cadres I work for. I'll delivery, I'll delivery drive. You give me a wet respirator and a hazmat suit. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> but you see that's, but I you know. see, that's one I of know. the things now, now there are, there's a group in Boston right now that are actually, that actually got a lot of people together to volunteer and they're making masks right now. Mm. And literally they're making there. It's a, it's an initiative called, um, um, protection for the people. And nice. they're and they're literally building PPE mask devices for for people. They're sewing them and they're building them. And their goal is to hand them out to to relief workers, 
people in the medical industry, retail workers, and people who are living in in financial, in economically depressed areas that are, that are see, that are feeling the strength, the the largest strain from from what we're seeing from the present situation. So there's a and that's going and there's a lot of that going on nationwide and that needs to continue. I think right now we don't we shouldn't be in a rush. If anything, the bigger question should be rather than open and before we open for business, make sure that there's one business that we can open, which means we need a lot more help than what we've gotten from say from what really is a paltry stimulus. The a paltry set of well, they're saying it's the first one. They're saying it's just the first. Let's let's focus though on the worker. Uh, I saw a very interesting tweet. It was like, um, it's important to note that during this coronavirus shutdown of the economy, that we now know how millionaires make their money. They don't. You make their money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know this fits your political agenda in terms of the working <laughs> person, but let's let's also think about the non-business workers. The people who work in transit, 41 New York City transit workers have died from the coronavirus. And there are other public servants as well. Over in Minnesota, there's a big fight going on. Are we setting that transporter for, say, Hennepin County? I think that's a great place. Set our beam and beam her up. J.C. Cooper, welcome back to the transporter room. Hey, friends. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. You know, given the circumstances, we are alive. We are healthy. We have a good attitude, and we are so glad to hear your voice. Oh, it's glad to hear your voice, too. Uh, yeah, I was listening into some of the things that you were saying, and um, it's very interesting because here in Hennepin County, which is the uh, where Minneapolis and, well, Minneapolis is located, but we're a part of the Twin Cities larger, larger um, metro area. Um, there's been a lot of battle in uh, public services in our unions with the county um, in what protection that they can provide and uh, and trying to keep public locations closed um, for the safety of the of the public. It's been a very interesting dynamic uh, between local government and the workers, uh, but more and more we are seeing how much power there is. Um, from the workers' point of view and coming together and doing what's right um, for our communities and patrons. So it's interesting how that works into the conversation that you are having. Actually, right now I'm looking I'm looking at the great video promo you made for the Hennepin County Libraries. Like that you wore the I Stand With Trans Lifters t-shirt in it. Always, <laughs> yeah. always, willing, to, always willing to spread it. Always willing to spread the word. I mean, first about the situation with the libraries. What's what is the status of what's going on in regards to the situation right now? Sure, it's a little bit messy as most things are right now. Um, but I guess I can do a little rundown of everything that has happened so far. Um, so, in the begin in the beginning when uh, coronavirus was starting to spike. Uh, in Minnesota, um, there was a decision to keep the libraries open, um, at, even as you know some restaurants were closing and uh, and a state of emergency was declared. They were keeping the library open, and so uh, many workers, uh, specifically of the union local 
2822 of Ask Me, um, which is a uh, it's clerical workers and um, and public service workers at the state and county level. Um, they all came together. We all came together, and we were like, we need to close these um, we, these public buildings because we're seeing an influx of uh, public and patrons coming to our locations. So before before we closed down, schools closed down, restaurants were starting to close down. So we were seeing, you know, upwards of uh, you know, hundred plus people in my in my small community branch library um congregating in our locations um and even though we were trying to take uh precautions like you know only every other pc workstation would be available or um not allowing people to be in groups it was just it was impossible um and so we came together and we demanded that the libraries be closed because it was for the safety of the public and the spread of this virus. Um, so after after some discussion at the Board of Commissioners level, um, the libraries were finally closed to the public, um, but they were asking for staff to still report to still report to work in empty buildings. Um, which posed like while the coronavirus was continuing to spike and the um, level of cases was rising, that continued to be a danger to staff. So again, we demanded that uh, that we were able to work from home. There's plenty of work for library workers to do at home. Um, we provide a plethora of online resources and community outreach through uh, electronic means as it is, and uh, that's not in, that's not including some of the more creative ways that um, we are finding ways to touch base with the community. One of the things that uh, my local branch is doing is um, getting involved with a program that's going to put technology into the hands of our community. So um, a lot of people in the direct community of my branch are going to be able to get. Um, community PCs and um, technology so they can access more resources when normally they're not available. Um, so that's the kind of work that we can we can be doing from home, right? Um, so after coming together and demanding that they send workers home for the safety of the worker, um, they finally did. And then very shortly afterwards, they gave notice to 300 workers that um, they had four days to choose. One, to be reassigned to frontline work uh, at temporary, at first they did, we didn't have this inform information exactly what frontline work it was going to be, but um, to choose whether or not to be, to work, to do frontline work at uh, temporary uh, homeless shelters that were set up in hotels um, without guarantee of proper PPE. Um, and at that time, nothing about training or anything like that. Um, or go on unpaid leave where you're able to use your PTO balances if you have any. Um, 
which in my case, I, I definitely, definitely don't because I, uh, leading up to, leading up to everything, I had used so much PTO for, you know, athletics for, um, I was dealing with some injuries. So, you know, I was using, using that stuff for appointments and whatnot, or going into a, a wage debt where you would, um, take negative accruals and then you would be indebted to the, the county and you'd have to pay that time back um either by like either by actually paying it back or through your pto accruals um so that's the most recent situation that many library workers have been facing and what we've been trying to um to combat and to say to tell our local government that this is just not appropriate to put to put public service workers that have given so much um, to our communities and then turning around and saying, you know, this is all we can do for you during this time. It's It's been a battle for sure. And I've been reading the media coverage. NBC News reported on your fight for safer working conditions and said, it's not just Hennepin County. This is across the United States. You've got New York, Iowa, Florida, California, including Minnesota, where they're basically asking librarians and support staff to travel to work or risk being paid off. And this whole PTO thing where they basically are asking you to end up working for free eventually, that's crazy. This is, this is the kind of thing where, you know, people are taking among the most important members of our society. You supply education entertainment, information. You're the backbone of our system of learning in our country, and you're not even being promised PPE, um, personal protective equipment. It makes me very sad. Right. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very trying time for people that are in, uh, in my line of work. Um, and really what it boils down to is we're doing what we feel is best for our community, our patrons, and our workers. And um, when it boils down to it, you know, many times these local governments are really looking at the bottom line and, you know, where they can save on salaries, like where they can, um, you know, shift resources um, and really exploit workers in some ways. I mean, I, I can't, there's no other way to explain, um, you know, forcing people to choose to reassign to frontline work um, from a completely different department or job class. It's very interesting, indeed. But at the same time, in many ways, we all know what it's about. And Dawn, right. you know what I'm about to say, but I'm not going to, I'm going to be nice to Dawn <laughs> and not say it. But She's I mean, a I socialist. Look- Socialist, socialist, socialist. <laughs> the people's flag is deepest red. I am I a socialist. Say this. The, I am the a fact socialist. That Trump wants I am to reopen the, proud of it. The fact that the, the president wants to reopen the government on May 1st is yep. so ironic to me. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's going to be May Day, and and the way that and the way that the working class needs to respond. Is pretty simple. And I want to get this out and then I'll get on to the next question. Right now, we have a lot of people standing out in front of balconies who are saying we're applauding our heroes. 
you really want you really want the you really want to show healthcare workers their heroes. You really want to show public service workers that they're heroes, real retail workers with their heroes. Number one, when they're fighting for a living wage, stand on that picket line with them. You really want yeah. to say that that person bagging your groceries is a hero when they stepped out to work the way that 30,000 wor workers for a grocery chain here in New England did last year and a lot and a, quite a number of people castigated them for it. No, you stand on that picket line. If you really want to say that these people are heroes and you want to applaud them, stand with them when they fight for the, when they fight for a living wage. I mean, this affects all workers in one way or another, but also being trans, does it kind of hit you at a certain place even more because you realize we have an entire community that goes through this, whether there's a pandemic or not? Absolutely. It definitely puts me in a unique situation where, you know, I'm I'm likely treated different uh, while speaking out, right? Like I'm already in the public sphere because of uh, all of the things that I'm doing in sport. Um, so I'm already looked at a little differently because of that. But uh, many trans workers um, can't afford to be seen outside of the group, if that makes sense, um, for for fear of retaliation or you know, a layoff or, um, you know, being mis mistreated in the workplace. Um, when, when Ask Me Local 2822 spoke out about closing the libraries and protecting our community, the 300 people who they targeted and said, hey, this is, this is the choice that you have to make. We're all a part of Ask Me Local 2822. There, there are other other locals, there are other uh, employees of the library system of the county that this could have been applied to, but they only applied it to the most vocal. I can't say for certain that it was retaliation for the work that they were doing to close the libraries, but um, take that and then amplify the fact that you're trans on top of that, or that you're a brown or a black person on top of that. It's it creates a, it creates a dynamic that's full of tension and um, during this time where of uncertainty the last thing that you want to do is lose income you know like so many Americans uh, are right now losing jobs losing income not certain about whether or not you're going to be able to pay rent uh, it's yeah it's definitely complicated that's for sure with this situation going on, all the other things, I mean, switching gears here a little bit, how have you been able to find time to train? Have you been able to find time to train? <laughs> oh, fortunately, fortunately, I do have a home gym set up um, that I train at uh, normally. Uh, so I have been, I have been able to get some training in. I have um, been dealing with injuries like I had previously mentioned. Um, so I've really just been focusing on healing more so than pushing my body and gearing up towards competition because there are no competitions that I can do right now. Pretty much everything has been postponed or canceled at this point. So I'm really trying to focus on um, just getting my body back to zero and um, trying to be kind and like empathetic to the situation for myself and for others, you know. So I might not be down down in my gym 
um, as frequent as I might be during like a competitive season. Um, but I've been managing to move as, as much as I can and uh, really just trying to listen to my body. And um, that's one thing that I would suggest listeners um, to do is even if even if you don't have like a gym, there's always some sort of movement um, that you could do. And just listen to your body and allow yourself um, allow yourself whatever movement you can for each day and do it uh, unapologetically. Like don't uh, try as best as you can to just be kind and realizing like the situation that we're in right now um, and do the best that you can with what you have because that's all you can do, right? Yeah, just be kind to yourself, really. <laughs> I try to be. I've been lifting chips from the bag into my mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've been been doing CrossFit, which basically is to cross the room from the couch to the bathroom where I fit onto the toilet. And the other Fabulous. event that I've been competing in is the finger tapping. Uh, I, I use my fingers uh, a lot. Those are my exercises, but I do get out. And I we have a dog, and that's a great dog. Is getting more walks than ever. I have three kids who I've tried to motivate to, you know, get off the couch as well. And we're, we're trying. One of the hardest things about going through injury and through um, the situation with coronavirus is being limited in that movement because it is so essential um, to my well-being and mental health. Um, but at the same time, you know, just allowing yourself to tell, like, to just say it's okay you know, we're all going through this and we're all doing the best that we can. And that has to be enough for now. Um, you know, it's a, it's important that we're, we're letting ourselves know that and really understand that and feel that and be kind uh, to ourselves in that way for certain. I agree. We had to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to hear about JC's fight with the US APL and the people who are in the same boat with her, who, if uh, loyal listeners to the Transporter Room, will recall they invoked her name as an inspiration. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Webb, along with Don Ennis, and we've got got jc cooper in the transporter room and there's two things that jc cooper is known for jc you know number one you can you can throw up some serious megatons over your head and do it very well i might add and <laughs> number two for some reason the the national governing body of powerlifting in this country seems to have a little problem with you what's the status on the on the ongoing saga between yourself and USA Powerlifting? Um, you know, there hasn't been a ton of movement. Um, we are in uh, the investigation stage of the Minnesota Department of Human Rights complaints process, so their charging process. Um, so at the end of, I guess it would have been the end of last summer, uh, we, we filed a charge of of discrimination against USA Powerlifting uh, for denying my access to competition um, due to me being a transgender woman. 
Um, and so far, we've gone through the filing process, um, and we have done elective mediation, um, which wasn't successful. Uh, met at the table, and we weren't able to agree. So uh, the next stage uh, is investigation on behalf of the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. Um, so we've kind of been at that stage for a while, and I think there might be some delay uh, due to the situation with coronavirus. Um, but also, this, these uh, these processes, they just take some time, right? Um, so that's where we're at at the, at the moment. In the meantime, uh, I'm just been trying to do as much work with Pull for Pride and um, trying to do things that impact that impact community and bring trans people to uh, strength sports in lieu of organizations like USA Powerlifting uh, denying us access to the sport. Well, there are a group of athletes we talked to recently in the transporter room who, one of them, um, Mary, Mary Beth Balliot, who's a part of the, who's part of the Disabled Girls Who Lift podcast and herself, she's fought a battle over adaptive devices with the, with USA Powerlifting. She had said it, when, in talking to them a few weeks ago that in many ways they saw your fight as an inspiration for themselves. And they said it was great to see oh. it. was great to see the solidarity that Jay, that Jesus spoke implicitly about the solidarity you showed with her plight and vice versa and how athletes had come together. For example, the one, the one competition where, where a number of supportive athletes were just timing out their lifts in protest. And she mm -hmm. spoke at length and said that that level of solidarity and your solidarity for her was, has been an inspiration for her. Wow. Um, that's, that's amazing. Mary Beth and Marcia, they're, they're both such amazing people and incredible athletes. Um, so it's, it's, I'm, I don't even know what to say. That's really touching that, that, that I would be, uh, an inspiration to them because they're such an inspiration to me. Um, and they're just such good people and great lifters. Um, but yeah, no, uh, our struggle is very, is very similar in a lot of ways, you know, being denied competition because of who you are. Um, it hits deep and it, it affects entire communities and is completely unnecessary. Um, when you look at it through a larger lens um, with context, it makes no sense to be denying people the access that they need to competition. You know, that's the, that's like one of the fundamental parts of sport that makes it worthwhile is being able to compete. And as we know, sport is a human right. So why are they denying us this right? And it's because we're we're different, quote unquote, from what they view as as the norm. And that's just not acceptable. And so yeah, our 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 fights are definitely are definitely uniquely tied um, because of those similarities. And I think it's refreshing for us in a marginalized group like we are to know that intersectionally, 
our fight is their fight, their fight is our fight, and we're all fighting for the same thing, which is to not be treated like we're different, even though we are different. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. I'd like to segue into something that we touched upon at the beginning, but what are you doing? What, what makes your day to get through? I mean, I can't remember the fact that this is Tuesday. Sometimes they all just blend <laughs> together. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. What are you doing? How are you coping? Um, I, I'm not going to lie. It's been, it's been really difficult at times. Um, like I said, we before we even started the podcast, you know, I'm in my bed right now. I've let myself just relax into this into this day as much as possible. It's not a work day for me. Um but, you know, just allowing myself to like feel like feel these things. Like, yeah, like I'm losing some time um simply because there's not as much structure as there norm as there normally is and you know, I'm just like trying to pay attention to that and pay attention to like what my body is feeling at any given moment and like honoring that. Um, and also, I'm, you know, uh, taking the time to to dial back into some things that I haven't been able to do for a long time, like uh, like video games. Like I haven't played video games in so long. And Carly and I caught up. Um, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? We were talking about um, racing games and talked about Charlie Martin um, for a little bit. And uh, so I've been, you know, playing around with like Formula One 2019 and, you know, trying to distract and like have fun as much as, as much as I can, you know, when so much of what's going on around me, um, you know, isn't the most pleasant. It's like having, having little moments where I can just let myself enjoy the smaller things um, has been really helpful. Now you mentioned formula one, 2019. That is a, that's a game that's going to make me break down and spend and spend money on buying a console. Now I want <laughs> right? to no, no, I, okay. What, what car and what driver do you usually take on that game? Oh gosh. Oh, um, well, usually when I'm doing career mode, you know, I'm driving as myself. Um, and the last team that I, that I was playing with was Williams. Um, so I was doing the Williams car, um, which, you know, as, as you know, they haven't been doing all that great the last few, few years. Um, and, but I've always had that underdog spirit, so you could say um, that's probably the reason why I picked Williams. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's just such a fun game, and the and Codemasters has done such a great job at elevating um, the gameplay in it. Um, it's been uh, it's been fantastic to play around with. I've also been playing some Assetto Corsa um, as well. Um, it's just wild, like the different, the like jump in um, realism that these games have uh, have become, really. Because the last time that I that I was really playing video games, I think was PlayStation Two, maybe. Um, 
and going to going to like Xbox One, PS4, like PC gaming now, it's just a completely different world uh, of realism and simulation and um, yeah, and just like value for what you're getting, for what you're getting. Um, it's not the same. It's not the same as driving a real car, but gosh, if it's if if it's not getting close now, for sure. Um, I can tell you what. I'm just wondering, what is your console of choice? Ooh, um, I I I have an Xbox One right now, and I'm enjoy I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, so as far as consoles, you know, Xbox One is what I have experience with. Um, I have been on the ps4 and that's been absolutely incredible as well um i honestly prefer pc i just can't afford it because (laughs) pcs are so gaming pcs are just so unbelievably and prohibitively expensive um but some of the things that you can do on on the pc are absolutely incredible so so I, i guess i'd have to say xbox one because i have one I'm looking at the car mods page right now for Seto. <laughs> and oh, oh God, some of this stuff I would love to have in my garage. I mean, no, that's one thing I've, I mean, I've been playing racing simulations of one form or another for like 20 years. The last thing I really had was R Factor. And yes, Don, we know you're old, you're very old school. <laughs> you're very old school. We know, we know. Get it back so to the pong. Look at and <laughs> even brought in the even brought in the, the even brought in the sound sound effects. Really? If you're gonna bring in some sound effects, get a game like Tron or maybe Cooper oh or something God. like that. You wanna impress oh me God. going back going back to the day of video games? See one thing when when I I'll tell you when I played R Factor, when I when I was heavy into mm-hmm. R Factor, when I was heavy into PC yeah. gaming, I would the one of the teams that I pick is Williams, mid '80s Williams. Yeah, really good. Oh God! If you Don, Don. Yeah. Oh, I'm step, sorry. I was just playing some. Uh, Space no, step Invaders. your game. No, step your game up. Get some Galaga at least. Uh, ooh, Galaga's, Galaga's for Galaga's for older kids. I I play the young ones. I play the Ms. So, Pac-Man and Pong. No, but, and but one Space thing I want to get. But one thing I do want to want to get at. I mean, in even with all the all the ways you're trying to distract yourself. I mean, there was one thing, unfortunately, we couldn't as a community couldn't distract ourselves from, and that was on tra- Trans Day of Visibility. And on that same day, Idaho decides let's make discrimination of trans people legal. Oh my! How God. did that? How did that affect you? It certainly affected me. Yeah. No. I. I... Honestly, I had to disconnect myself from social media for a little bit um, just because it was so infuriating um, to to take a situation like what's going on with this coronavirus and really take advantage of it and push push this kind of bill that prohibits trans youth from being able to, to fully participate in society and in sport. It's, it's vile. Um, and really showcases, you know, the lesser part of, of humanity. Um, and 
after seeing after seeing some of those kids, you know, stepping up to the plate and giving public comments and having to like bear witness to all of that, um, it was just really depressing and maddening, you know. Um, but it's not over. There's still people. There's still people fighting against it, and we will always we will always fight against bigotry like that because that's who we are as a community. Um, and in the end, you know, we're going to become stronger. We're going to become more visible and we will, we will retain our rights as a community because that's just, that's our fight. That's who we are. So yeah, it was, it was definitely appalling. That's for sure. Now it was, I mean, all those things that are happening and, and Don, you can, and Don, especially the, you've been covering, you've been at the front lines of covering the situation here in Connecticut, where you have a political party raising money by demonizing high school kids who are trans and just want to represent their school on a, on a field, on a field or a track. Had it not been for the coronavirus, the Republican party here in Connecticut had planned a fundraiser and was going to give trophies to the young women who are suing Connecticut for allowing two trans athletes to compete as girls. Two girls who, by the way, have lost to the plaintiffs. The cisgender plaintiffs haven't even been victimized here, and they're getting trophies for their courage. So a lot going on here in Connecticut, well, JC, just like there's going on where you are. Oh, and, and don't sleep. They're right. raising money. Off. They're still raising money off this. Of course. Right. Then pulled the fundraising page. It's just so sad because it's, it, it really is such a non-issue. Um, in Idaho, they, had, they hadn't had a single trans, like out trans athlete, you know, competing. In schools, right. No, no not one in, in school. school no. And, and. So they're making an issue out of something that wasn't an issue at all. Um, and it's, it just goes to show the level, the low levels that people will go to to fit their agenda into public issues that are topical, right? So we're seeing politicians that are taking the issue of trans sports and then expanding upon it to limit other, other rights. So there hasn't been a bill yet that's been proposed that I've seen um, that limits the rights of trans athletes that isn't paired with something that limits, say, you know, the ability to change your gender marker on, you know, a birth certificate or, you know, some other restriction against the trans community. And, you know, this is a result of them losing the overall battle for so many years now. Um, but what they don't realize is that them pushing this way is just going to reinforce like our base of people, our community, and we're going to fight back because we have no other choice. <laughs> you know, this is our li these are our livelihoods, you know. Um, and so we just have to take it step by step and take each fight as we can um, but we will get we will get there and there are so many people fighting for us to have our rights um, and so we can live the best lives that we can we just have to have faith and come together in solidarity um, to fight this uh, this level of ignorance that is showing up
again and again. There, there's something, something I want to read here that really brings that point home. It came from, it came from the essay you wrote for us back on mm. April the second. For trans youth, yeah. know that this robust history of resilience. And know that in the end, we will thrive. It's what we do best. Be there for one another, even if it's through a phone call or a text and lift each other up. And I will say, getting those texts brightened my mood at a very difficult time. Yeah. So please keep that outreach coming. (laughs) Whether it's to talk about a set of Corsa or anything, keep that outreach coming. Because at the time, that really... That really bite my mood to think that, okay, here's this, here is a person who's standing in the front lines for all of us. And they're, and they're taking a minute to text little old me just saying, how you doing? And when are we, and when are you going to finally get a rig so we can race? <laughs> I think so, a lot of no. people forget, JC, that, you know, you, you living out, it's so inspirational, but it wasn't like you chose to be an advocate or an activist. This is just you right. living, right? I mean, I think it's yeah, important to make exactly. a note that this isn't like some crusade you're on. You just no. want to be. Exactly. Yeah, this is, you know, this is a situation that so many of us are put into, you know, uh, some of my some of my like opposition and, you know, advocating for um, trans inclusion in sports. Um, we'll say, but like we've seen, we've seen pictures of you in the media, you know, you know, fighting for trans access to bathrooms and things like that. It's like these are things that we as trans people can't avoid because it affects our daily, like how we navigate the daily landscape of things. Um, so if we don't fight, you know, we're we're losing liberty and we're losing rights, our rights to be in public and to be in spaces. So we don't have an op- of any other option but to fight or to hide. And, that, you know, at a certain point, you know, you just have to take advantage of what, what privileges that you do have. And in my case, you know, I do retain privileges as a white trans person. And so taking advantage of those privileges and fighting for our rights, like I just, like I have to do it, otherwise I'd lose I'd lose those rights. Um, yeah, in the case of power in the case of powerlifting, you know, it was either I spoke out or I just decided to be okay with being discriminated against and uh not being able to participate. In the case of, you know, the bathroom bills that happened, I could have stayed silent could have stayed silent, but then I might have lost the ability to go to the bathroom in public restrooms. You know, um, it's, it's really interesting how so many people are framed as like the, as like, you know, they're an advocate or like activists. It's, you know, really, we're just fighting to have basic human rights. It's mind blowing really that that's seen as a negative thing. (laughs) When it's no. really not. <laughs> same here. I mean, same here. What are you binging these days? I uh, I remind you that uh, the show is called The Trans Sporter Room, and uh, we love sci-fi. I was wondering if there's anything you've been catching up on or enjoying in particular. Oh my gosh! I I 
let's see. I watched all of The Witcher, which I thought was really good. Uh, let's see. I did catch up on the the newest season of uh, Formula One Drive to Survive or whatever that show is called, the Netflix show. That, that is so good. Yeah, it is so good. Any sci-fi? Mostly fantasy. I guess The Magicians is still fantasy. Yeah, fantasy, uh, sure. some of that. Fantasy counts. Yeah. Fantasy counts. We've never mentioned this before, but I do play D&D. Um, oh. So I recently started a virtual D&D campaign. So that's been kind of fun to fun to try out during. Uh, I played a D&D style game. Stuff. We bought a whole bunch of board games. And we're playing this game called Villainous, which is a Disney oh, game. Oh, sure, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. very D&D-like. And I, 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 I suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay as long as you're having fun that's all that matters that's all that matters right? if you had fun you won <laughs> exactly exactly oh it's so great talking to you yeah it's great yeah. talking to y'all too i think she's our first return guest isn't that right carly isn't she isn't JC the first th- i would think so this is JC's first... our first sequel <laughs> oh my gosh i didn't know that i had such an honor yeah you have to come back a well, third time. Well, wait, we have a jacket for people who who return the third time. You get a you get a special jacket. <laughs> I'll tell you, I have an no, I have an idea. What's I have that an idea? No, we okay. gotta bring okay. we gotta bring JC and we gotta bring we gotta bring JC, Marcia, and Mary Beth on on the show. We gotta bring we gotta bring we have to have a lifter we a have power lifter power lifting round table. Right, oh my I'll gosh, lift, that would actually be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I'd lift some beers with that. I definitely lift some beer. Yeah. We're gonna get, we're gonna get you, we're gonna get you in that five k, coronavirus permitting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're gonna get you. We're gonna, we are gonna get, get Don Ennis. We're gonna get Don Ennis moving again. You're gonna need a crane, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no. let's let's set our coordinates. JC, don't be a stranger. Stay in touch. Keep telling us what's going on with the libraries. What's right. going on with you, ZPL? And just yourself. Be healthy. Be well, okay? Absolutely, you too. I'm coming for that jacket. You got it. <laughs> it's a pleasure having her on the transporter room. Always I really like, great. I really like her because of her upbeat energy and her honesty. And what I think comes through more than anything is she's just a girl. She's just a girl who wants to do her thing. She doesn't have an agenda, doesn't, doesn't, you know, want to change the world. She just wants it to be fair and to be even and to be well, right. But you see, that's the thing. That's that's for most of us. I mean, the that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have. People think we people think we do this because we have axes to grind or or we just want to quote unquote start trouble when it's the exact opposite. What we like for example in my case, what I really, really want, I just I just want to be left to live my life. Mm. And I just want, I don't, we just, I just want to be left to live my life. And I want to be left to play sport. Do you know who that was just now when you heard beep, beep? My computer was JC texting us saying, Thanks again for having me on. Appreciate you so much with two hearts. Well, she's the best. And we appreciate her. I mean, that's a big, I'm serious. We appreciate her. We, I appreciate all these people that come into our, that come into our space because they're they're taking a little bit of time 
not only like to talk to us, but to also extend out to so many people. And we're, I mean, we're starting to get more and more people who are li- even more and more people are listening to this podcast because I hope so. We're bringing, I mean, we're well, we're bringing in voices that you normally don't hear a lot of. And hearing voices that are that are given space to give a perspective, and it's not necessarily being tainted by by other agendas or people who don't understand. These are hey, trans people talking to trans people. What a concept! <laughs> Tomorrow on the Outsports Podcast Network, it's LGBT in the ring with our correspondent Brian Bell been a very active week we'll find out what he has to, to, to talk about on outsports on apple on google on spotify wherever you find your favorite outsports podcast carly it's been a pleasure again thank you for joining me in the transporter room always great to be here don and everybody wash your hands and let's keep flattening the curve stay inside and don't go out unless you have to and if you go out wear a mask and be safe Be healthy. Come back next week. Bye, everybody.